basically the way I am now, it's very disconnected. It's, I would like to say disciplined. I'm not perfect, but at night when we sleep, there's no Wi-Fi. I try to go off my phone about 8.30 or 9, an hour before I go to bed. I'm very conscious of my screen time and how many hours a day that I spend on my phone because it's a very powerful weapon that our phone is so much information, so much stimulus, so much dopamine that we can get in a day. And I know that can either be extremely harmful or extremely beneficial for us as humans. Hey there, welcome to Thriving with Technology, the science-led podcast that's here to help you achieve mindful living in a digital world. And I'm your host, I'm Marcus Bryce from techwellness.com. This show is designed to give you a practical approach on how to navigate the important tech toxins in our world. We have real-life stories, experiences, and non-fear-based facts about cybersecurity and EMFs, your online privacy, internet overuse, what leads to addiction, blue light, oh, and so much more. So thank you. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello. We have such a cool guest on our podcast today. I'm August Bryce. I'm here with my partner in business and life who sometimes drops in as I'm podcasting and just heard me talk to Gary Davidson II. He is great. People are going to love this podcast. We didn't know Gary. You didn't know him before you spoke with him today for the podcast. No, but we so glad I do. He is a classmate of uh, two of our nephews. We had gone out to lunch with them and they could not wait to tell us about their friend Gary who follows August on techwellness.com and we're like... Wow, he might be the only 17-year-old boy following Tech Wellness. I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked, but he's definitely in the minority. And right away when they told me, yeah, he doesn't have his Wi-Fi on at night like you guys. And I said, well, we don't have a Wi-Fi. And he said, I know, but they do, and they don't turn it on at night. And I said, oh, is that something his mom makes him do? And I said, nope. And I thought, I cannot wait to talk to him. <laughs> he's pretty cool. Because so are my nephews. You know, we sat, honestly, I think we tell the story, or I told Gary the story of how we were at lunch, and you checked your phone a couple times, but an hour and a half into the lunch, I turned to Hutton and said, Hutton, you haven't even looked at your phone for an hour and a half. Yeah, they're cool. They are amazing. I mean, you know, it takes a lot of uh, discipline when you're that age not to look at your phone. It takes a lot of discipline at my age not to look at your phone. <laughs> right, yeah. Talk to Gary. So, but I want you to hear from Gary today because you're going to be inspired. You are going to be so encouraging as if you've got a teenager, if you've got a Gen Z or anywhere, you know, from 12 to 17 and you're saying, I just can't get that phone out of their hands. You know, maybe you can take a few tips from Gary or maybe if well, we're You should lucky, share the podcast with yes. your teenagers and have them listen to Gary and see what he thinks. He talks about dopamine, for gosh sakes, and how... He knows that dopamine is kind of an out-of-control thing if you're just constantly getting addicted to looking at stuff on your phone. Thank you, TikTok. Right. But, I mean, he really is aware of it and understands it and is, and in his word, is disciplined, which I thought was really perfect. Right. I just hope for the next generation and really hopeful for me because we share so many of these things on Tech Wellness. We've been talking about the cycle of addiction and dopamine with our devices, not just with social media, from the beginning, it's all part of these group of tech toxins that I want you to know more about. And I want you to know that there are people out there like Gary that I think are going to change things in the future. So let's say hello. Gary Davidson, the second. Hey, Gary, how are you? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm good. Good to meet you. I want to start out with asking something that I never ask anybody else who's a podcast guest, and that is, how old are you? What grade are you in? And what's your name? So I am Gary Davidson II. I am 18. I'm a senior in high school at J. Sarah in California. Cool. And off to college soon. Congratulations. Yeah. So you're the one of the youngest people that we've ever had on Thriving with Technology. And I have you here today because from what I've heard about you, this is our first conversation. We've never met before, but you have a really different relationship with technology than most people your age. And what I've heard from my fabulous nephews, Hutton and Logan, your day-to-day with technology doesn't look like everybody else's. And this is huge because your generation practically grew up either raised by technology or completely with technology in your life. You really haven't known it any differently. So can you tell me a little bit about how that came to be and what your relationship with technology is like, how you use your phone and your Wi-Fi and why? Oh, so yeah, basically the way I am now, it's very disconnected. It's, I would like to say disciplined. I'm not perfect, but at night when we sleep, there's no Wi-Fi. I try to go off my phone about 8.30 or 9, an hour before I go to bed. I'm very conscious of my screen time and how many hours a day that I spend on my phone because it's a very powerful weapon that our phone is so much information, so much stimulus, so much dopamine that we can get in a day. And I know that can either be extremely harmful or extremely beneficial for us as humans. And basically like the way that I came to be this way was not what you'd expect because when I was younger and in middle school, I was nearly the opposite. Mm -hmm. I was probably addicted to instant gratification in all forms of technology from video games to social media to watching TV, movies, YouTube all day, just constantly being connected with technology and with the screen, constantly uh, being Mm -hmm. stimulated with just unlimited dopamine. And Mm -hmm. eventually... I have an older brother who just like in eighth grade woke me up in a way to all these like unhealthy habits that I was falling into because I was at like the dis-ease of just being addicted to dopamine and all of this stuff in a way. You're obviously very intelligent. So I imagine your brother is as well. And to hear you address this in the conversation this way, that you're disciplined when you're just connection because of the side effects of just the stimulation. That's what you're talking about. And the fact that you were heading towards addiction, maybe addicted, maybe obsessed. And it's amazing to hear because this has been happening to you for a long time, it sounds. Like you said, when you were 12 or 10 to 12, you were really engrossed. So when did this awareness, eighth grade, so was it your brother came to you and said, hey, wake up, you're on too much. And then did you instantly transition or did you just decide, oh, maybe I'll give it up for an hour or how did it go? How did it look like? I would say that my brother helped me realize that there's more to who I was than just playing video games. And there's more to our health and like to our function as humans. There's so much more that's possible for our brains to like, to be functioning of. And when I was just addicted, I could feel 
how my brain was lessening in so many other ways compared to when I was performing at my highest function. Cause I'm an athlete as well. I play sports. So that's a way that I felt the effects of all this stuff and many other ways as well. So you mean your, your athletic abilities and your physical abilities weren't as great when you were indulging in technology? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, in a way, I would say that. Okay, so you could, it wasn't that you could feel the effects of, we talk a lot about electromagnetic fields, the invisible energy that powers our devices. Was it a feeling of EMF or was this happening in your brain? I would say it's more just a mental effect. It was unconscious. I could feel how being on the internet all day, how being connected to a phone all day, how being constantly stimulated would affect me mentally in every other aspect of my life. Whether that was with my family, with my dad, our relationships with my friends, relationship with girls, in any metric, I could feel how being addicted to social media, dopamine, and all that stuff negatively. Oh, and it does. It makes you want more. It's the desire chemical. It keeps us going and keeps us seeking that additional reward. And then nothing can fulfill it if it's happening so instantly. It's not like, what do you play? Basketball, football, whatever. That takes work. That gratification you actually have to work for. And so it's hard to compete with the phone. So it's so cool that your brother stepped in and said, hey, wake up. And you did so quickly. So would you say that most of your high school life, you've had the phone in perspective or is this something that just happened in the last year? Tell me what day-to-day actually looks like with Gary and his phone. I would say that freshman to sophomore year, I wasn't as healthy with it as I am now, I would like to think. When I was a freshman, I was just experimenting, learning, experiencing, testing out different ways, feeling the field, Mm -hmm. if you will, like Mm -hmm. seeing what works, seeing what makes me feel better, seeing what I felt was healthier. And that kind of just turned me into what I am now, where... I've been doing this for so long now that I know which was like the right way for me. And not only for me, just the way that human should be. I try to stay off my phone as much as possible if I'm not doing anything productive. I do a certain amount of work on my phone Mm -hmm. that's not just aimlessly scrolling and just fogging up my brain. And that has proven very interesting because you have to have this balance of being conscious while you're on your phone and not just being mindless mm-hmm. and also avoiding all the distractions that the phone presents itself in. It is. It's a major distraction. And I think you probably see it in the rest of your generation, not the rest, but the majority. Can you speak to the effects that you're seeing in people that are your age or that you yeah. observe? When possibly when I'm in class or when I'm with people who I'm friends with or people who I hang out with, there's many times where I've seen that there'll be a group of people that are hanging out and everybody's on their phone, staring at their phone, just scrolling. And to me, I'm thinking, why are we on our phone scrolling when we could be having quality time with our friends that we obviously enjoy, but it feels that sometimes people are just so locked into something that they're unconsciously addicted to, that they don't even know that is just like totally trapping all these young kids into because they don't know any better. When you're there, not on your phone, and everybody else in the circle is, do you feel like an outsider or do you feel like, hey, I'm changing the world? I guess I, w- I would say both. I would say if, if everyone at my table was not on the phone, then we'd all be 
trailblazers and none of us would be outsiders. But if I'm the only person doing it, then I guess I'm just a trailblazer and I'm okay. I'm okay with that if everyone else wants to not do what I do and if I stand out. Cool. You know, that's so interesting because it brings up a conversation of how I actually heard about you. So I was sitting with my nephews, Hutton and Logan, having a lunch with my mom, who's their grandma, and my husband. And about an hour and a half in, I looked at Hutton, who was sitting next to me, and I said, Hutton, oh my gosh, you haven't even looked at your phone. And I noticed my husband had a couple of times Googling things about the food. And he goes, yeah. He said, I just think it's much more important to really be engaged in a conversation when I'm with someone that I really appreciate. And it's like, oh my gosh, because as the kids grew up, they got technology like you. And, and I just remembered when he was younger, how they'd always be playing a game. They introduced me to so many new games and they introduced me to Snapchat before I'd ever seen it. And it was very interesting. And they were always sharing their stuff with me, which I appreciated. But then they said, you should meet our friend, Gary. And he said, he's really into being mindful of technology. And I said, I would love to meet Gary. That's fascinating. So anyway, I do know probably what you do see at school and people in their classrooms, just not what I like to call being here now, being present in the moment is such a joy. And it's so good for your focus. And it's when you actually do get those great ideas and like you said, involved in conversation but as far as your day-to-day goes, do you have a set schedule? Do you wake up and not look at the phone or do you go to meals and not look at the phone? I get that you said that you use it for doing work, but is there, in your discipline, does there have to be a schedule? Yeah. And in some ways, I think that it's really important to have some sort of set boundaries. For me, it's in the mornings. I try not to do it as soon as I wake up because I'm sure you've heard so much about it. I know how bad it is to go on the, your phone instantly in the morning and getting just bombarded with dopamine from all types of sources. I try in the first hour of the morning not to even touch it. There's many times where I'll go to dinner with my mom or friends or family, et cetera, and I'll just pop my phone in airplane mode and leave it in my pocket or in the car. Awesome. Or any other times when I walk my dog, I just leave my phone in the house so I can just be one with myself, my mind, and the world. And then the beach as well is another huge one where I like to leave my phone like completely out. Now, obviously, your friends Hutton and Logan noticed. Do other people at school or in your sports environment or whatever hobbies you do, have they noticed this and what do they say? Yeah, that's actually pretty funny. There's many times where... Like every single time that I'm not on my phone, it'll be on airplane mode. Or every time that I take it out of my pocket, I have to turn airplane mode off and I put it back in, I have to put it on again. And there's so many people who either say, Gary, like, why do you do that? You're, that's so stupid. Like, it doesn't make any sense. People will think that I'm like dumb for doing that. And they simply just don't understand, but that happens a lot. Another funny thing is, I've had a blue light blocker, a blue light filter program on my computer since I was probably a freshman. And I think every week since I was a freshman, I'm a senior now, someone has asked me, Gary, why is your screen red? Not blue like everyone else's. And I'm just like, do I really need to explain to you the complete intricacies of blue light and circadian rhythm and et cetera? And I think that's pretty funny. 
That's great. And do they listen when you talk about, hey, your circadian rhythm and the blue light and the melatonin? And by the way, our eyesight, we're finding out that blue light actually kills cells that lead to macular degeneration. Do they go, oh, wow, Gary, thanks. Or how are they? Have you seen changes? I've seen it in both ways. Sometimes when someone will ask me and I'll give them a, a truthful answer, they'll say, that's actually really interesting or that's really smart. Like, and sometimes they'll ask me more. Other times they'll laugh and be like, bro, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? And I think that really highlights just the many types of people that can't really have an open mind or are maybe very ignorant, not to be like disrespectful at all. There's a lot of shouts from both sides where someone's interested and then someone else is ignorant and has no idea. Maybe the way you use your phone and the way you think about it has helped you with your confidence and self-esteem. What do you think? Do you notice any, you know, you probably never thought about it when you were a kid, but, but how do you compare to others, do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. I remember I can look back to when I was in eighth grade or freshman year where I was scared to talk to people, keep my head up high, no confidence to answer a question in class. There's so many examples that I can look back into my past and see, I didn't know who I was. And now it's probably switched. It's completely opposite. I'd like to think I know who I am now, but I think there's a huge plague of lack of self and a ton of people in my generation. On my school, I don't see it as much. I do see it a little bit, but when I go to public school, I'm not saying anything that's wrong with public school, but there's a lot more kids who are sagging their feet, walking with their head down, almost like they have no identity. There's a few kids in my school I've noticed, they don't walk as if they're their own person, as if they're their own man or this their own woman. And I definitely think that the phone can have an effect on that. Just by the social comparison, right? Just you go to any social media site and there's that, which social comparison is normal, but there's so much upward social comparison to people who you think have it better than you. You don't know. It's just such a carved out little slice of what someone wants to present of themselves. So that could be it. And it also could be it, like you said, when you're obsessed with something or when you are addicted or even showing signs of what looks like addiction, which so many people have that look, it changes your brain matter. It actually, you have less gray matter and less white matter. So maybe that's part of it. But it seems like you've found just the right amount of balance with it. And I, one question I want to know, do you actually believe in the electromagnetic field damage as well? Or is that something that hasn't crossed your radar? Yeah, I do. I I definitely believe that on a level, there is molecular effects that like can affect all ranges of our health, our mind, and how we think down to a molecular level of science, and then all the way up to just how we talk to ourselves in the mirror. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think both of those things affect how people see themselves, how they think of themselves, how they talk to themselves, what image they have of themselves in their mind. There's definitely many different things that contribute to it. That's true because there is one study and I talked to the person who did the research, Kevlar Denser was her name or is her name. And she studied mice and put the cell phone in their cage. And it was so interesting because 
they turned it the other way so they didn't see the light, but the melatonin levels went down and they saw cell death of the brain just from the EMF, not from the blue light. So you may have something there with the correlation in how you think. Another thing that I wanted to ask you, because I think that, like I said, every parent wants a child that has self-esteem and awareness and self-confidence and that they could actually talk to instead of talking to them through their phone, right? So is there any advice that you would give parents of kids or even Gen Z parents who right now are saying, oh yeah, I can't get it out of their hands? That's a tough question. It's also a question that I ask myself because of course I I plan to be a, a father and a parent one day. I would definitely say that you have to treat the root cause mm-hmm. in some way. I think that preventing a problem is better than putting a Band-Aid over it or treating a symptom of the problem. Mm-hmm. But once again, if it's too late to treat the root cause, obviously you can't do that. I think it's really important how you approach your son, daughter, child, how you approach giving advice. Right. I think the way my brother did it was very brother to brother, very hard He's my older brother, so I'm sure you can understand how he is. Cool, like a mentor. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and it's. Mm -hmm. I think it would be totally different if a mother was talking to her daughter about it or if a father was talking to his son. I think that you have to approach it with some level of respect and like middle ground and understanding that we're human and we make mistakes and that we can fall into addictions so easily without even knowing it, especially this one, because Mm -hmm. it's something that, most of our society probably wouldn't even consider addition, which... That boy, and that was really good insight, Gary. Awesome. And I've got this new social media plan. Social media success strategy is what I call it. And I'm really careful to tell parents not to call it a contract. No kid wants a contract, but maybe something, a strategy that they build together so that they hit social media with power. And they show up. And that makes me want to ask you, how do you show up on social media? How do I show up? Yeah. Like, are you one of those people that just, and I think this is good, one of those people that that affirms everyone on social media, hey, great job. Are you one of those people who shares a little? Are you one of the people that shares everything? That's what I mean by what Um, is your social media strategy? And we'll be right back. You know, these days, parents are dealing with something that you and I never had to deal with as parents, and that is social media. It's bad enough to have a smartphone, and then you load it up with social media accounts, and then, oh my gosh. I mean, the responsibility of helping your kid and guiding your kid through that process is a big one. It's one of the biggest ones parents have to deal with these days. Exactly, and that's why the Surgeon General says he wants to move up the age when kids are allowed to get a social media account from 13 to older. Yeah. He thinks that 13 may be too young based on the research that he's seeing. And I think there's a lot of parents who would agree. You recently had a video on tech wellness that I thought was just amazing. On a school bus full of kids, the only child who did not have a phone on the bus realized that the driver was having a medical emergency, had the wherewithal to get up, run to the front, stop the bus, save the driver, and probably save his friends and himself just by being aware because he was the only one not looking at his phone. That's right. And you know why I wanted to do the social media plan is because so many parents weighed in and said, 
some things that just broke my heart. I wish I'd never given my child a phone. Oh my gosh, if I could turn back time. Oh, this was the worst thing that ever happened to my kids. Because I asked, when's the right time to get your kid a phone? And a lot of people wait in with some really deep pain or at the very least reticence. And so I thought, you know what? We need to help prepare kids for social media, for getting their phone, especially for social media, because I think that's where so much of the hurt comes from. FOMO, social comparison, anxiety. There's just so many things that can happen and can make us feel bad about ourselves and cause us not to be successful in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so we've created the Family Social Media Success Plan. It's awesome. And it's like, you know, you wouldn't give your child the key to your car and say, uh, yeah, go figure that out. It's almost like that with social media, isn't it? Exactly. And the research is, is pretty clear. No, it's very clear. This is just like sort of guardrails. Being prepared, and that's what this family social media plan will help you with. It's so great. I love how it came out because we inform, we bring you up to date on the latest research, the latest laws about social media, and then we talk to you about maybe some of the things that you've never heard of, and we educate you on the glossary of social media, and then the best part is it's interactive. So you work with your kids no matter how old they are, if they're seven years old, eight years old, because you know, so many of those kids will have an account and you might not even know they have an account. So it gives you the opportunity to start talking to them about it and you scroll together. And even if your child's 16, it's not too late to talk about feelings, to talk about the right way to show up on social media. And then the best part is when it's all finished, you've written it down and you put it up and it stays in the forefront of your mind. I think it's really cool what you're saying is that it, you put it up in front of everybody in the family and everybody lives by those rules, not just the kids. It's everybody's plan. It's the whole family plan. Yeah, and, and I don't think of it as rules. I think of it as opportunity. It's a plan for success. Mm -hmm. It's like when when I manifested you. That's right. <laughs> so when I was much younger, we've been married a long time, I met someone who had had an incredible experience and she had said, you know, I put my goals up in the refrigerator. And she said, is there anything you want? And I said, well, I'm looking for my husband. <laughs> I was all of 19. And so anyway, she said, well, put that list up on the refrigerator. Put everything that you see in your future with the man of your dreams. And I did. And guess what? What? <laughs> Come on, keep going. Okay, so I, like where our, go I like where this is going. It's second date. <laughs> and I knew immediately, the first date, I knew, oh my gosh, it's my list. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, you knocked on the door and I was upstairs. And so you came in and I came downstairs. And who was staring at the refrigerator reading my list out loud? Me. And I pulled it off the refrigerator and I threw it away and I never saw it again because I was so embarrassed. But guess what? Seeing something and being reminded of what you want and the reason why is... Brings it to you. Right. Is one of the keys to success. Now, I would like to talk more about me because... <laughs> This is a good moment for me, but I do want to also mention the fact oh, that, you. you know, you give parents the opportunity to normalize the ability to oversee, to help. Because right to now- To participate, to be a part of it. I yep. feel that some parents feel like it's it's not even their purview. They, they, oh, they can't look at that account. They can't talk about that. But you know what you can? It's your kids. And this helps you do it in a really- nice natural ways so it doesn't seem like anything but 
being part of their life yeah. in a super good way. Like when when my dad took me out for a ride in the car and showed me how to use the clutch. Right. That still didn't really stick, <laughs> no, did it? it didn't. That didn't really work. That he tried, but he did, tried. Not, did not really work. <laughs> so the Family Social Media Success Plan, how can our listeners get a hold of one? Well, depending on when they're listening to this, it's either on pre-order or you can get it tomorrow. Come to techwellness.com. We'll also provide a link below in the show notes. But if you visit techwellness.com and you put in family social media plan up, it will pop. Order yours now. It's good. I'd say on my account, personally, I just post every now and then some stories. I don't really post personally about it. It depends, I, I think on who your account is like, who you are, what message you're trying to send, your audience. Yeah, it's a brand, actually. So that's good. So you're thoughtful about it. You're just mm-hmm. holding back for a while, until, yeah. right? Which is cool. Um, and so then my final question is, what would you tell other teenagers and other Gen Zers who are addicted right now to their phones or being addicted to tech? What's the one thing that you would say to them? I would say that there's two versions of you. One is the person that is average, who uh, falls into addictions, who doesn't strive for the best for themselves and isn't at their highest function, isn't at their most open-mindedness and isn't their healthiest. And then there's another version that always wants to be the best versions of themselves and wants to be a good person and just wants 100% out of life. And I think that when you're just addicted to social media and stuff that just drains you and drains your energy, fogs your mind and causes you to not be human, I think that you need to go after being that best version of yourself. That's so good. Do you ever, knowing this, do you ever find yourself still getting drawn in? Yeah, all the time. What do you do? I just try to, that's a good question. Yeah, it happens a lot. For me, I just try to, keep myself in check always and know that I just keep that fact in my mind that there's always a better version of myself and I always just strive to be that way, whether it's more successful, more healthy, more always being a better person. I love that. You need to have in mind. I love that. I love that you're so mindful. You're really a light out there. (laughs) And I really appreciate that advice for other people. And it just gives me so much encouragement. And I'm sure it's going to give other people encouragement who are listening to this, that there's hope. And thank you for taking time with me today and be well. Of course. Anytime. Thanks, Gary. Gary Davidson II. Hey, I think he's my new uh, hero. He's like, I'm going to have him mentor me. He was excellent. Well, I think we will be hearing his name in the future. I really do. Because people like him are the ones that are going to make the difference. My favorite line was when he said, why can't we all be trailblazers? He's a leader. I mean, clearly, right? And he's destined for leadership. Uh, One of the other things that was interesting was how important it was that his brother brought this to him. It really means more when your peers speak this to you, I think. Don't you agree? Oh, 100%. And I know there are so many digital citizenship classes and programs that are available at schools these days, and that's an awesome start. But, you know, it's just like Natalie Hampton, who said, don't be a bystander, be an upstander when it came to cyberbullying and any kind of bullying. You know, we really have to focus on these individuals because 
other kids especially can take their cue. And I know a lot of people have from Natalie Hampton as well. So I think this is a great podcast to listen to with your kids. And we talked about that social media success plan that we've developed. I'll link it at the bottom. But you go through it as a family. You make the decisions together. I mean, kids really are growing up fast these days. And they do need to be armed with all the tools like Gary's brother did. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, you know, what you say at Tech Wellness is that you're all about mindful living in a digital age. And I think if more people were like Gary, some of the larger societal problems that we're dealing with, from gun violence to bullying to everything, a lot of that could be mitigated because a lot of it starts online. A lot of it is bred online and it just spins out of control. But if you're in control... Right. And you have the self-esteem and confidence yes. that clearly Gary has. And, and he does look back and credit part of that self-esteem and confidence to the fact that he doesn't look down into his phone. He looks out, he looks within, and he has more time to really understand the world and who he is. So thank you for standing by and listening, Hal. Great, great podcast. Happy to meet him. Me too. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. I hope you loved it. If you do like what you've heard, leave us a review and subscribe to the show. For more tools and information to help you achieve mindful living in a digital world and navigate those tech toxins, follow Tech Wellness on all the usual social media channels and head over to techwellness.com for resources, videos, solutions, and so much more. I'm August Bryce. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be well.